are now listening to an inspirational message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where Dr. Michael Wesley Sr. is pastor. Please join the service in progress.
where we are. Old song, we all know. Amazing grace, come on, stand with me. Let's go down. Come on, church, let me hear you sing. Father, we thank you now for this time in your presence. Thank you for worship. Thank you for the experience of being together. We pray now that you will lift again your human out of self. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. Speak to us and through us in this moment of sharing. Bless now the words that are in our mouth and meditations that are on our heart. They may be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. 
bless the truth as you are speaking now. In the name of your son, Jesus, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank God for all of you. Thank God for the great music team that we have. Thank God for the worship experience. I want to return again to Matthew's gospel. Ten, we eventually will get through with this. But we're just working our way through it. It's just so much. And when I, when I stopped to try to dissect it, it would, be, it would be unjust to try to cram it all in your face without dissecting it a little bit at a time. And that's what we're seeking to do. So last time we looked at uh, verses 24 through 31. Uh, we're going to look basically at verses 31 and 32 today, but to keep that setting in your mind, it will be important that we read uh, the verses um, that led to that. Okay, so we're going to pick up the reading again at verse 24, and we'll read through verse 33, but the text this morning, or should I say, yeah, verse 33. All right, starting at verse 24, the reading is as follows. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be like his master and the servant as his Lord. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs on your head, of your head, are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. The text for the morning Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. I'm still talking about discipleship distinctives discipleship distinctives but this morning the emphasis is on self-examination self-examination a disciple we said is a follower of Jesus one who is a learner learning of him with the expectation of being sent out by him to help others to discover the truths that you have learned. Apostle Paul put it another way as he was speaking of comfort in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, he said, we are to comfort one another with the comfort whereby we ourselves have been comforted. That's a great description of what discipleship really is about. We are to put it in Wesley's Axiom 101, we are to help other people with the truths that we have been helped with by ourselves. It would be mighty selfish of us to have gained or gleaned truths about who God is and have our eyes open and our understanding informed and then not share that with other people who are still in darkness 
and who themselves may not have discovered the light or the way or the truth. And that's bringing it into focus or into context about what discipleship is. This text this morning, this whole 10th chapter is a, a, a real illustration of and teaching on what it means to be a follower of Christ. It started with the 12, these men that Jesus called out of Galilee and brought along beside him so that they could learn about him, learn of him, learn from him the truths of who he is, where he's from, where he went, and what other people would need to know to get there. And, and the message is, yes, for them initially, but it's also telescopic in that it goes down the trail of human history beyond these men to include everyone that becomes a Christ follower all the way up to the time that Jesus returns. And, and that is made clear by what Jesus says in verse 23. And he speaks that this persecution that you're going to face is going to continue all the way and this is what he says, the son of man is come. That means the second coming of Christ. So everybody from the original 12 who have come to know who he is and become a learner and a follower of him is included in this text. There were some things that were unique and specific for them and there are some things that are unique and specific for us, but we are all included. See, for a long time, we've just believed that all we need to do is go to church. And we go to church and we, we become a consumer. We sit back and we listen. And if the sermon is not good enough or if the choir is not good enough, then I want my dollar back. And, and, and that's, you know, we, we, we can sit and we can point, we can criticize, and we can do a lot of other things in the process. One of the most interesting things that gripped me yesterday about the Next Level Leaders Conference was there was a discussion among the panel about, it was called sizzling topics. And in the sizzling topics, there were several issues that were raised. One of those was concerning uh, alternative lifestyles, homosexuality. And, and the question was put as if, what if these people or persons who practice that alternative lifestyle wanted to participate in the church? Is that legal? Is that lawful? And the answers was all over the place. And, 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 and so the conclusion was, one sin is not greater than another. All right? But, 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 and that thought, that, that sent me to this point right here. You know, it's not, it's not for us to sit back and to judge other people. What is most important is for us to turn the searchlight on the inside and examine yourself. Because it, it, it's not what we say, it is what we say, but it's also what we do. It, it, it is not, it, it's not how we just want to look at other people, it's how we choose to live. That's going to tell people more about who you are than anything else. And so Jesus here has called these 12. He's called these 12 because they lived during the time that he lived. And what he did was he trained them. And a part of his training is to send them out on a short-term mission. 
Because after his earthly ministry was over and he went back to heaven, they would be then charged with the responsibility of winning the world for Christ. Right? And so we get to peep into the short-term mission that he sends them on. We've been covering that over the while. And we heard the instructions that he gave to them. We know their names. Their names are listed here. And, and we know what Jesus told them to do. Go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He told them, don't mess with the Gentiles. Don't mess with the Samaritans. But stay focused on the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Because there, there's always, and what we gather from that is, there's always a limited responsibility that we have. We can't do everything. But some things we can do, and we can do something well. And what we don't always understand is what we leave undone, God got somebody else to do it. And so that's why he didn't want them bothering the Gentiles. He had Apostle Paul coming for that. He didn't want them bothering the Samaritans. He had other people. He had Philip and all those other fellows that would come and evangelize those areas. But he gave them specifics. And we heard what he told them to do. He told them, he said, listen, when you go, he said, heal the sick. He said, cleanse the lepers. He said, cast out the demons and raise the dead. Now, we know on this short-term trip, they didn't do that. They didn't probably encounter any lepers. They didn't, they didn't find many demons. But over the time after Jesus was gone back to heaven, they did. They, Peter walked down the streets of Jerusalem, man, and just people were healed by his shadow. They raised dead. They did all those things. And he warned them now. He told them in this same passage, this is going to be a dangerous assignment. He said to them, you, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. And, and he says to them, he said, but you got to be aware of men. That's the wolves. He said, they're going to they're gonna deliver you up in their synagogues. In other words, you're gonna, you're gonna, they're going to not receive your message, and you're going to be pushed and persecuted from the church. And then he said that they're going to deliver you up to their councils and bring you before the kings. All of that started to happen to those men after Jesus was gone. So you see, I'm trying to help you see that the passage was not only just for that time, but it moved on down in history, and it continues to move on down in history, and that's why it sweeps us up. Because the truth is the same for us today. We like to glorify Christianity, but Christianity is not glorified. It is tough. It is hard. And that's why we can't afford to sit back, look down our noses, and point fingers at other folk. Because that's not going to change anything. It would be better, far better, to go and have a seat beside someone and try to explain to them the truth of the scriptures so that their eyes can be opened and to sit back in secret judgment. Are you hearing me? Come on, somebody. That's what needs to happen. With, with, they talked yesterday about, well, what's we going to do about the youth? Well, that's what we need to do. We need to start sitting down beside children and youth and explaining to them the scriptures and helping them to understand how to become a Christ follower. And when they do, then they will experience their own persecution. They'll experience their own challenges in their life. But that's what needs to happen. And if the church is going to be effective going forward, then we're going to have to do more work than talk. It's going to have to be some more self-examination. And that's what Jesus was getting at here. He, he goes on and he, he, he embodies in this teaching... The, he gathers the most teaching distinct 
teaching concerning what it means to be a disciple and, and, and pulled it right in here. Now, what he did in the process, he used passages or illustrations or examples that he has used in other places. But he brings it all together here. Every great teacher does that. Every great teacher doesn't just say something that's true one time and never repeats it. Because if it's really the truth, then it's worth repeating. And so these sayings here that Jesus has gathered are worth repeating. And he said them on more than one occasion. So let's just quickly review. Last week, then I'll drop a couple nuggets on you for the morning. Last week, he was telling them that the distinctive mark of the disciple first is to be like his master. He said, don't think that a disciple is above his master. It's, and he uses the, the opposite. Just don't, just this is the same as a servant would not be above his master. And he goes on to say, and guess what? So, so the goal he lays out of discipleship is to be like Christ. So, and listen at what he's saying now. Now, that, that's the first principle of discipleship. The goal of discipleship is to be Christ-like. So, so when you are Christ-like, you don't have to wear a sign and say, I'm a Christian. Because if you, if you, are, if you are a soldier... There's going to be some sign, right? They used to tease former mayor Kincaid when he was mayor because he used to like to wear his cap that says mayor. <laughs> and they would say, man, what? You got to tell people <laughs> that you're the mayor? You know, do you have to walk around with a cap on that say you're a Christian? No. What, what, what tells people you're a Christian? Your Christ-likeness is what saves it. And so the first distinctive of a Christian is he's like Christ. The second thing that he wanted to convey is this. Don't think now, if they treated your master this way, that they're going to treat you different. In other words, the more like Christ you become, the more like Christ people are going to treat you. And how did they treat Christ? Listen, the answer is given. If they called him Beelzebub, that is Satan, the devil, and the miracles that he did were from the devil, then guess what? They're going to call you some names too. And I don't care how Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized you think you are. Somebody has something to say. And they will talk about you. They just might not say it to your face. But they will. Yes, they, yes, they will. Yes, they yes, She's Sally with the knock knees. The deacon so-and-so with the roving eyes. Oh, she's so-and-so. Look at her. Look at him. That folk going to do it. And so what you got to build into your understanding is don't lose it just because folk act like that. Because they did it to Jesus, so they're going to do it where? To you, okay? So that's the second principle. But then the third thing that he begins to say, and this is where we were last time in, in verses uh, 26 and, uh, and following. He says in verse 26, fear them not. He says three times in the passage, do not be afraid. Don't fear people. And that's why we emphasized last week that the third mark of the disciple distinctive is that you have to overcome your fear of people. And the reason you have to overcome your fear of people is because fearing people will strangle your witness. You cannot be an effective witness Telling people about Jesus if you are afraid to talk to folk. Now, what you got to understand is that they're not going to like it no way. But you still don't have to be afraid of them. 
And he gave three reasons why we don't have to be afraid. And the first of those reasons is because one day we'll be vindicated. And he says, and this is how he put it. This was the teaching he used. He said, he said what's hidden is going to be uncovered. And what I tell you, in the dark, you bring it to the light. Right? Because, and what that means, see, he taught it there, here in Matthew 10, but he also taught the same truth in Luke's gospel, chapter 12, verse 1, to the same group of disciples. He told them, he said, now, on this, that occasion, he said to them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And what is the leaven of the Pharisees? It's hypocrisy. And so what he, then he comes right after that, and he says to them, for what's hidden shall be uncovered. And what he was telling them is that all of the phony folk one day are going to be exposed. And God's going to vindicate you. And, it, and I was just laughing to myself because if you've ever been vindicated, man, what a blessing it is to know that God has revealed or exposed some things that other folk didn't know. So now that's why, that's why it's become so important for us to be careful. Because while you're trying to convict somebody, God is the only one who knows what? The truth. And so one day, he's going to reveal the truth. And guess what that might mean? It might mean that you wasn't what you said you were. Okay. And because you didn't practice a certain behavior, doesn't make you all right. Because you got other challenges. And that's why I come to the text this morning, see. But before I get there, let me finish the illustration of what we talked about. So you don't have to be afraid because of vindication. He says to them, he says, what you hear in your ear, that you go on the rooftop and proclaim. And, and what he's talking about there is you need to be venerated. You need to be so in love with God that you don't have to be afraid of man. He said, because all man can do is kill the body. But look at God. God has the power to destroy both body and soul in hell. And so you respect him more. You fear him more than you fear a human being. And then he gave the third reason why you don't have to be, why you need to overcome your fears. Not only because you'd be vindicated, not only because you'd be venerated, but thirdly because there's a value that God places on, on the human. He said, he said, look at the birds, the, the sparrows. He said, not, are not two sparrows sold for a, a farthing, a penny? And, and then he says, and, and you are, are more value than that. And he even goes to the illustration of the number of hairs on your head. Your heavenly father keep up with that. And if he keeps up with those minute, unimportant things that are so dispendable, how much more are you of value to God who loves you because you have him living in you? And, and that's what he was trying to say. That's why you don't have to be afraid of people. Because God is the one who's going to justify you. He's going to venerate. He's going to vindicate you. And if you love him, you don't have time to worry about other folk. Right? And if you understand how much he cares about you, then you understand that he'll take care of you. He's going to protect you with that power that he has. And he's going to make sure that you come out on top. That's what he's saying. But then watch this, because this is the text for the morning. Verse 31, 32 now. So he says this. He says, so whosoever, who's a whosoever? I'm a whosoever. You a whosoever. Everybody is a whosoever. Whosoever, whatever disciple, whatever believer that is, that's why I told you this was telescopic. Now, this reaches us today. Yes, this message was given to 12 men originally, way back when. But you see how it is swept down through history and now how it encompasses us because Jesus is still the one speaking. And he's saying here, whosoever, therefore shall confess me 
before men. Now, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. And then he says, and whosoever denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father, which is in heaven. So rather than sit in the seat of judgment about who somebody else is, this is a matter of self-examination. So the mark, the distinctive mark of a disciple is one who's going to evaluate his own life. And what is that? Am I willing to confess Christ before men? There are a lot of people who want to be silent Christians. That according to this, that won't work. You, you, you can't be silent. So, so regardless of what a person's quote-unquote lifestyle may be, what did they say? What is a confession? A confession is an acknowledgement. It's an admission. So what is it that we all have to acknowledge and admit? That we all have, come on, don't hide it. Sin and come what? Short of the glory of God. So that means me, that means you, that means whosoever. Okay? Now, and then not only must we do that, but then we have to acknowledge or confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And we have to believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead. And when we do that, then the Bible says we say now, he didn't say nothing else about your practice. <laughs> he said then that you, you know, so the question is, are you, exa- are you acknowledging God before men? See, this again is, is, is what the discipleship is all about. The, the, a disciple is one who can be, at, on, on occasions, confrontive. Nobody necessarily likes to be confrontive, but there are times when you know you need to say something, there are times when things must be said. And that's what I keep seeing as a problem when I look at our nation. When I look at the political landscape, I'm seeing silence and cover up and denial of things that people know are the truth. And I see the same thing when I look in our communities, when I look in our families, when I look in our churches. And it's because people who say they are disciples are unwilling to confess Christ and to acknowledge. Now, how do you confess Christ? You do it twofold. You confess Christ with your mouth, yes. But you also confess Christ with your behavior, with your actions. That's how people know. A tree is known by the fruit it bears. And a good tree cannot do anything but produce good fruit. And a corrupt tree can't do nothing but produce corrupt fruit. So we, 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 we can know. We can know. I heard a story about two, three boys in in Uganda, see. Uganda has been killing Christians for a long time. And, and this record was of three, these three boys in the 1800s, 1888. One boy was 15, one boy was 13, and the youngest boy was 11. And, and they were going to execute those boys they were going to put them in the fire. And, and the boys, according to history, wrote to, uh, sent a message to the presider, you know, this same country Idi Amin came from. And he sent a message to them saying, listen, don't cut off our arms because we're not going to try to fight in the fire. We understand that the fire won't last long before it takes us to Jesus. And because these boys, but, the, but you, Mr. King, Mr. Official, you need to repent 
Because if you don't repent one day, you're going to be put in a fire that will not go out. And you will be consumed forever. And because of these boys' boldness in confessing Jesus, 40 people were said to have come to Christ that day. Even though these boys had not been to nobody's theological school, even though they, they did not understand all of the mysteries of Scripture, but what they did do was confess Jesus before men. And, and, and the promise here is that if you confess me before men, he said, one day I'm going to confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. And, and look, look at what else he says here now. He said, and if you deny me before men, then when you show up at the gate, don't expect to get in. Because I'm going to say, I don't know you. Because you were ashamed to own me before men. Now, I, I, when I was a young boy and first heard that, that used to always make me tremble. That, that if I was ashamed, somehow another, that if I was ashamed to let my friends know that I was a Christian, then God would ultimately be ashamed to own me as his child. Man, I think that is so relevant today because we only want to be Christian when it's convenient. We want to be Christian when we're in Christian circles. But when it comes party time, we want to take off the collar. When we want to get loose, we don't want to be Christian then. We want to be whatever it is that's going on. But the truth is, that's where self-examination has got to come. You got to look at yourself. You got to look at what you say about you. And you got to look at how you live. Is what you living saying who you are? I know that's hard, man, for some of us. No, there's tough stuff, but that's exactly what the Lord is going to be looking for. Look, look, let me carry you to the end. Let me, let me, let me fast forward you to the, to the, to the end, to the judgment. Uh, Matthew chapter 25. The Bible says Jesus is going to stand at that last day, and he's going to separate the people just like a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he's going to put the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left hand. And then he's going to say to the sheep on the right hand, Come ye blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom which has been laid up for you from the foundation of the world. And then watch this, because now is where the confession of lifestyle comes. Because he says, for I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was sick, and you visited me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was in prison, and you came to see about me. And the Bible said, then the righteous will say to him, Master, when did we see you like that? And he will say to them, whenever you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you have done it also unto me. And then he'll say to those on his left hand, he said, depart from me. For I never knew you. And then he'll say the same thing to them. For I was hungry and you gave me no meat. And I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was sick and you didn't even think about visiting me. I was naked and you didn't offer me anything. Closet full of stuff. In prison and you didn't come to me. And then they'll say, well, Lord, when did we see you like that? And he'll say to them, whenever you did it not 
unto one of the least of these, my brothers. You did it not unto me. So when we examine self, when we examine self, we're not just looking at what we say. We're looking at what we do and how we live from day to day. That's why the old songwriter said, uh, and, and put it down on the paper, Lord, help me to live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may live like thee. See, it's, it's so easy in an environment to look at other people and assign them an eternal place while thinking that we're sitting in a comfortable seat. And the truth is we haven't looked inside to see what's wrong here. I like what the elder man said. We got to learn how to get that plank out of our own eye before we try to get that speck of dust out of somebody else's eye. And we got to understand that the mark, the distinctive of a disciple is not only that he, is, he overcomes his fears of people so that he can give the appropriate testimony of who Jesus is, but he's one that doesn't have to sit in judgment because he's busy examining himself and putting a value on the confession of his lifestyle, his practice, and his speech concerning Jesus. Now, if we're going to be disciples, if we're going to be learners, this is what we're going to have to learn to do. See, there's only so many storms you're going to be able to talk about. Now, we can get real religious when it comes to the deliverance from the storm. I was out in the storm and the midnight hour and the wind and the wave came. And we can talk about that and we can shout off of that. But what about every day? What about how we deal with one another? What about how you treat your family members? What about how you deal with the people who live down the street on the next block? How you feel about passing by folk in the church and then throwing up your head because you think you're somehow better than somebody else. That's the kind of stuff the Lord is talking about. And so we have to examine our, ourselves, don't we? Because, listen, I, I, don't want, I don't know how you feel, but I don't want the Lord. I don't want to have lived on the earth. How many ever years the Lord gave me? 70, 80, 90, 100 years. And then get to heaven. And the Lord say, I don't even know you because you denied knowing me. Are you hearing that? That's something deep right there. That's something deep. God's not going to ask you about your position. God's not going to ask you about your community. God's not going to ask you about what you drove and what you wore. God's going to ask you, what did you do with my son, the Lord Jesus Christ? How did you live every day? Did you let the light of Christ shine through you? Amen. Well, I know now what they meant when they said, this little light of mine. Said, well, I'm going to do what with it? I'm going to let it shine. Not going to make it shine. I'm just going to let it shine. Said, everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Listen, all in my room, gonna let it shine. All in my neighborhood, gonna let it shine. All in my church, gonna let it shine. That's the mark. Those are the distinctions. And remember what Jesus said about that light. He said, he said let it shine, that it may bring glory and honor to your Father, which is in heaven. That's the purpose for letting it shine because that becomes a distinctive mark of you as a child of the living God. So I, I tell you, we got, we got to revisit this whole notion of, of discipleship. So easy to put a badge on 
So easy to put a cap on and say I'm a Christian or I'm the male. <laughs> Whatever. What you putting in your heart, what you putting in your life that really saves the others who you really are. That's the issue. That's the issue more than anything else. And, 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 and listen, let me tell you something. That, that, that this ain't going to always be popular. And if the Lord let me come back next time and say it again, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. That, that's another distinction is, is that everybody in your family can't even handle that. Hello. Hello. Everybody can't, can't handle it, man. I've seen families that have funerals when people become Christian. Because they said to us, he or she is dead. And Jesus said, I, I, I didn't come to bring peace on earth, but I came to bring a sword. So we're going to have to look at that. Look at these scriptures. That's why I can't run through this. Because there's so much in this that we need to really take into account. So look at yourself today. Look at yourself. Look at your own life. Rather than looking at somebody else and what they got on and what they don't have on and how they may carry themselves. Because you got to remember this. They're going to have to stand for themselves. They're going to have to stand before God. And they are going to have to give an account for what they did in their life. Just like you're going to have to give an account for what you did in your life. And I think that, I think that, will, I think that will solve the argument. I think that would take us out of the need to try to decide who can be and who can't be and who ought to be recognized as such and who ought not to be. I think we ought to just, whenever we're tempted, point out somebody else. That's the time to take that view in the mirror. Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And one day, the mirror gonna quit lying. Cause at first the mirror was saying you are. But then one day the mirror told the truth. And the mirror said, baby, it's not you. It's no way. <laughs> God bless you today. God loves you. Might be time for somebody to give their heart to Christ today. It's a critical moment to be a Christ follower. It's time to be, be true. It's, it, it's time to take that look. It's time to say to God, you know, I, 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 I'm grateful for the things you've done. I'm grateful for the victories we won. And, and you know that you could tell the story over and over and you can go on and on about all the things but you gotta look but when you just close your eyes right here and just look in your own heart and just talk to the Lord about you God forgive me of my sin that's why you ought to talk help me to be the man, the woman, the boy, the girl you want me to be I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God I believe he came to the earth, died on the cross, was raised the third day according to the scriptures. And I want you, God, to live in my heart. And because I know you're already there, I'm grateful. Anybody grateful this morning? If you're grateful, come on, sing the song. And while we're singing it, I want you to just thank God. Tell him about all of the reasons you have in your own life to acknowledge him. Doors open anytime during the song. Listen at that.
God does. How salvation is such a wonderful gift. It's an awesome gift for God to reach out of the whole sea of humanity and to call you out and to give you the assurance that you are his. And what he asks is that you be on that assignment of helping other people to understand what you have learned about how to become a Christ follower. It doesn't mean you better than anybody else. It just means that the person God is making you out to be, somebody else can be made to become the same and even more if we would only tell them and share with them the love of Jesus. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast. You have been listening to a message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where we are reaching the world for Christ. Located at 2135 Jefferson Avenue Southwest, Birmingham, Alabama 35211. For a copy of a CD or DVD, you can reach us at 205-925-5972 or visit us on the web at www.greatershallow.org. For an uplifting message, please join us for the next broadcast.